Welcome into Four Down Territory. I'm Kyle Madsen, the managing editor at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as always, Doug Farrar, the managing editor over at TouchdownWire.com. And Doug, more than a quarter of the season down. I hate that's my least favorite part of the 17-game schedule is that we can no longer divide it into neat quarters. There's no quarter pole. There's no half. There's no three. We have to do like a 3.5% of the season. A, qu- a quarter, yeah. a quarter ish of the season is down. No, this is kind of my favorite part of the NFL schedule because this is where I think you really start to see teams separate. You know, there's the great teams and then the good teams and the, and then the teams that are going to be playing for, for draft position down the stretch. So, and you start to get a sense of like what teams are and what teams aren't. Just- yeah trends and and stuff like that so it's yeah yeah the ran the randomness of of bad teams beating good teams seems to kind of uh, subside toward this time of year so super fun time to to be watching the nfl and let's let's dive into some week five actions so brock purdy superstar on sunday night against a very good dallas team uh, the 49ers quarterback Completed 17 of his 24 passes, 252 yards, four touchdowns. He didn't throw a pick. It's 144.4 passer rating. You know, great numbers. And it's clear that when he's on, Purdy is the ideal guy that Kyle Shanahan wants uh, running his offense and and staying within that system. So for the season, Purdy's completing 98 of his 136 passes. He has nine touchdowns. He hasn't thrown an interception yet. He has a passer rating of 123.8. It's the highest in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, are we ready to say that Purdy is more than a system quarterback in the pejorative sense, or is he one of the guys that you can plug him into any offense and he's lighting it up? I'm still on the fence just a little bit, and I want I want to qualify this. He is putting some throws on tape that I did not expect watching his college mm-hmm. tape, even seeing him last year. He the improvements sure. are obvious. Um, he the the guy did his work in the offseason. His tape against the Cowboys in particular was really, really good. He had a few legitimately big-time throws that any quarterback would be proud to put on in his resume. And it's clear that Shanahan trusts him implicitly to handle his amazing offense with care. And you know, Kyle, if he doesn't trust you, you're out. I feel it's now in Dallas. Um, so I love what I'm seeing of late. I also remember the Brock Purdy was spraying the ball all over the place against the Rams and the Giants in weeks two and three. And while I'm not saying that's who he is, there were times when Purdy didn't look like he belonged on the field this year, and the stats are a little inflated as a result. His receivers bailed him out a lot. And, hey, full marks to his receivers for doing that. I'm fascinated by Purdy's talent. I think he has the potential to be that guy in time. But before that happens, he'll need to read in the road tendencies a bit and stay within himself, which he has done over the last two games. And, by the way, I'm not slamming, slamming him because he's a system – He's in a system that's primed for a success. Every quarterback should have that. This is more about the randomness I'm still seeing, and that's what makes me reluctant to put him in the pantheon. And by the way, as far as the MVP conversation, and, uh, you know, you may or may not agree with me, Kyle, Purdy isn't even the most valuable player in his own backfield. That would be Christian McCaffrey, but that's kind of, you know, so I'm not slamming Purdy. I just, I don't know why he's either a complete waste or Joe Montana. Why does it have to be one or a hundred? Why can't it be eighty? Which is that's, about what I think he is. That's one of my biggest. It has been for. I studied mass communication in school, so I've always been really fascinated by just the way people communicate. And online, on the internet, there is a two-tiered system. Mm-hmm. You are great or you're trash. Yep. You're one of the two. And the fact of the matter is that 
95% of athletes fall somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and Purdy, to me, I needed to see it because it was five games last year, right? And it was five games, and he played, you know, he played okay in the in the Seahawks playoff game. He, he was pretty good. And then and then against Dallas, had some ups and downs battling that pass rush, but ultimately played okay. And then he gets hurt in the NFC title game. I just, I just needed to see more. And so what we've seen so far this year, is it Joe Montana? No. But is it, uh, I don't know, pick a, is it David Carr? N- no, it's not. He, he to me, is firmly in, I always say, the, the range of quarterbacks from like, you can pick numbers, 14 to 22. You can mm-hmm. put them in any order. Right. He, to me, is in that tier of quarterback. And yeah. you're right, his numbers get inflated because of the system he's in. And because of the system or the the players around him, like I, I I understand all that, but the fact of the matter is, is we've seen what, for example, Jimmy Garoppolo looks like in this offense, mm-hmm. and it's not as good as how Brock Purdy looks in this offense. Does he have as quick of a release? Does he have as strong of an arm? Is he the fastest guy? No, but and so maybe if you're pl- picking him up and plugging him into uh, Pittsburgh, maybe he looks sure. about like Kenny Pickett. Well. i I don't i don't think he would i I think he would look a little better but i don't think he's turning pittsburgh into an offensive juggernaut that's scoring 30 plus a game the way patrick mahomes might so i'm not dallas with mike mccarthy which we'll get to also in a minute Oof, tough Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah yeah, you put him in dallas it's it's not gonna look very good but I, i think for for where he's at and for for what the 49ers need from their quarterback play i think he is well exceeding whatever bar that that they need their quarterback to hit and that's ultimately what what matters as far as the mvp conversation goes i'm with you like christian mccaffrey to me if you're picking a front runner for mvp from the 49ers it's him but right now he's my right now he's my mvp period i i would i am i am with you i have written about it at ninerswire.com it's there but we know how the voting goes and if the if the season keeps going on this trajectory, if the 49ers are 15 and two and Brock Purdy throws for 4,200 yards and 30 touchdowns with seven interceptions, he's going to be the, he's going to get the votes. And that's, it's silly, but that's kind of how it's, how that, that award is gone. But I'm hoping that it Christian McCaffrey wins it. I think that'd be a huge W for, for running backs. Well, I have a vote, so we'll see what happens. All right. Hey, fingers crossed. Hey, I, you know what? I really hope that you get to vote for Christian McCaffrey for MVP. And obviously yeah. there's a lot of season to go. There's a lot of season to go. But man, if he's pushing 2000 rushing yards and he's got 25 plus tutties, be tough to And honestly the best player on the team is Fred Warner, so. Oh, dude, <laughs> I, I I haven't gotten to dive into your piece about it yet, but I I can't Ooh, wait because Well, and just real quick, he he Fred Warner content. The Cowboys is, ran mesh on third and two on this one play early in the second quarter. Uh, it was uh, got Jake Ferguson and C.D. Lamb running short crossers. Warner blew up both routes and then somehow got to sack Dak Prescott on the same play. It was like, oh, my God, how do you do this? He yeah. is a totally outrageous player. Yeah, he's ridiculous. So, I, you know, I think Purdy's great. I just there were two games this year where you look like you fall off the back of a truck. And if you want to be a top five quarterback, you can't do that. So that's sure. that's why. Yeah, no, not not in the top five conversation. I'm not even going to put him in the top ten conversation, but he's he's firmly in that, like I said, in that in that next tier of, of player for me. Yeah, but if he's spinning it around like he was against the Cowboys, hey, sure, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, second down here. There's a lot of really bad teams in the NFL 
And eventually, as we know, that means some head coaches are going to find themselves on the wrong side of the job market. So were you to estimate, Doug, one head coach who might lose his job in season, who do you think it'll be? Kyle, I'm going to present you with a personally, potentially unpleasant hypothesis. Oh, no. Let's say you're Jerry Jones. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> you hired a head coach and Mike McCarthy Dang. was responsible for two things, calling the offense now that Kellen Moore is gone and taking charge of situational football. Well, the offense has been really, really bad this season, especially in the red zone, although you wouldn't know it against the 49ers because they never got in the red zone. And the situational football has always been terrible under McCarthy. After the 42-10 thrashing at the hands of the 49ers, McCarthy said all the usual stuff he says about getting in the room, watching the tape, and getting your butt kicked, and getting your back to fundamentals, and rah, 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 and roaring all over the place, and angry bear, and blah, blah, blah. But when was the last time this guy had a credible answer for him that didn't involve Aaron Rodgers playing like the best quarterback we've ever seen? I'm still waiting for it. He went to PFF, Doug. Except he didn't. <laughs> and he watched that tape, except he actually didn't. Uh, yeah, he didn't go to PFF. <laughs> oh, yikes. No, no. Now the three and two Cowboys have the Chargers, Rams, and Eagles on their upcoming schedule with a buy in there to think more about it. They'd better at least come out of that at least two and one, and they'd better look better on offense than the Chargers do because Kellen Moore is calling that offense now. Because Jerry has Dan Quinn as his defensive coordinator, and Dan is going to be a head coach somewhere in 2024, and McCarthy just isn't the guy. Not that I'm over the moon about Brian Schottenheimer running the offense and McCarthy's hypothetical absence, but Shotty would at least throw a few motion concepts at a defense in the red zone, create some spacing for his receivers, not have 158-pound Deuce Vaughn running on third and goal, something, anything. I don't know. I'm just kind of over it. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I've been writing about Mike McCarthy's 2013. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to do. I feel like <laughs> I've done my part and I'm retiring. The, the inside, I knew the game Sunday night against the 49ers was over when the Cowboys on third and four from inside 49ers territory ran an inside handoff from the gun to Rico Dowdle. Yep. Like what, what's yep. happening? Yep. What are, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't understand it. And speaking of, speaking of real quick, the Chargers and Kellen Moore calling that offense, you want to talk about MVP candidates, Justin Herbert, man. Yeah, the Chargers can figure it out. He is having there. a heck of a year. No, I'm just not sure. Just based on everything you laid out, I don't know how the Cowboys can justify rolling out there with Mike McCarthy if they, if they really want, if they fancy themselves a contender, if they fancy themselves being in that, in that realm, because they're, they're, their roster's loaded. That's why the game against the 49ers was supposed to be so interesting because there are very few teams that can stack up with San Francisco from a talent perspective and Dallas can do it. And it didn't look like it. And when you perform that poorly on in a playoff atmosphere against the team that's knocked you out of the playoffs the last two years, they just didn't look ready to play. They, they got, they got outcoached at, at, at every opportunity. And if you're Jerry Jones and, and you're calling that game against the Niners, a measuring stick game, you learned everything you need to know about your head coach. So, I, I you know, had we done this a couple weeks ago, I might have said Brandon Staley and Matt Eberflus has got, uh, apparently the Bears are just back on track and, and yeah. everything is fine now. So he's bought himself enough goodwill. You just kind of look around the league because Sean Payton's not going anywhere in, in the middle of year one. There's some some rookie head coaches. Not gave up for him, no. Yeah, right, exactly. So there's no, McCarthy is the only logical in season firing, and if they if they come out of that stretch that you just mentioned, one and two or zero oh and three, I, I I think his time is up, 
in uh, in Dallas. Yeah, if the season is over like prohibitively halfway through, and and Jerry, you know, the, and he's out there talking boldly about these are measuring sticks, and I want mm-hmm. a statement. Like, yeah, buddy, you got one. You got a statement. You got yeah. a, a, a precise statement of what your head coach can coach his because Kellen Moore went to LA because McCarthy wanted to call the offense. McCarthy, (laughs) he put his flag on the ground and said, this is my offense and I want to do it this way. And it's a disaster. You wanted this Bubba. You got it. Now here you are. Here you are. If they come out of that, if they come out of that stretch at, at, at one and two, that means they're sitting at four and four with an Eagles team. That might be eight. No, by then. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I just don't know how you could you could justify moving forward with that. All right, third down. Not speaking of the awesome. Eagles, no, not not awesome. So speaking of the Eagles, they've created a nearly automatic success with the tush push, the brotherly shove. I prefer brotherly shove, but tush push just it feels easier. So, yeah. uh, so their rugby wedge thing where everybody shoves quarterback Jalen Hurts forward for a short yardage win. Um, the NFL is reportedly talking about outlawing it because the league is studying injury data and the league is concerned. Oh yeah. Okay. The league is so concerned about injuries all the time. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, should the NFL and the NFL players association ban the tush push when the competition committee meets next March? No, you wimps. God, the easy. best way to stop a play you don't like is to, um, how should I put this? Stop it. Figure it out. Let's start with the injury data, which is inconclusive at best. The Giants had two guys get banged up when they tried a misbegotten tush push in week four. But based on that offensive season, I'm pretty sure they didn't even rep it before they did it because the Giants are not really looking like the most well-rehearsed team out there. Uh, the NFL never considers injury data and, until and unless it's forced to. We know that from 100 years of history. So I'm guessing this is a case where a couple of butthurt team owners got tired of getting embarrassed by a nearly foolproof concept unless you're running it like fools this reminds me a lot of the wildcat when the dolphins killed the patriots with it in 2008 third game of the season miami's version was a multi-layered nuanced thing because quarterbacks coach david lee had run it with felix jones and darren mcfadden at arkansas the year before as a team's offensive coordinator so there were all kinds of different blocking stuff, and it you know it had motion. It looked a lot like the Niners' run game now. Back in mm. 2008, it was really tough to stop for a while. Yeah, um, and they had great success with it for about half a season before the NFL figured out how to deal with it. I think that was the Ravens' defense in like week 10 or 11 that just they they shut it down. Mm-hmm. But in the interim, you had a lot of teams calling direct snaps to the running backs with no eye candy for three yard losses, then insisting the Wildcat was stupid. The Eagles figured out a thing this year and over the last couple of years that works perfectly for their personnel. They should not be penalized by it. Plus, Jack Del Rio doesn't like, and that's reason enough for me to be totally in favor of it. So there you go. You and me both. Yeah. yeah, no, this is this is dumb. The Eagles shouldn't be penalized for having a good offensive line. Like that's the that's the whole thing here. Is the push forward of the quarterback is just like a little extra assistance. This all starts with Jason Kelsey. He's a Hall of Fame center in the middle of that offensive line. Yes, he is. And he submarines whatever defensive lineman tries to get push up the middle, and Jalen Hurts is a hoss and pushes himself forward. They would be picking up these yards. Hey, spoiler alert. They'd be picking up these yards most likely on regular QB sneaks too. Mm -hmm. But you get a little bit of extra push. Like 15 rushing touchdowns last year, and it wasn't all that. Right. Right, and nobody cares when this happens in the middle of the field when a running back gets stacked up and then offensive linemen just start pushing the pile. Nobody ever complains about that. But the Eagles, who are good at everything, 
have this play that they find a ton of success on, and now we're trying to outlaw it. This isn't Horrors. like Horrors. this isn't like baseball banning the shift, right? Baseball didn't. I, I don't want to say ban the shift. They changed the parameters of where you could shift on the infield to try and make it easier to get hits because offense was dying. The offense and defense is not dying because of the tush push. The Eagles are just gaining yards when they need them. So I, outlawing this would be very specific to the Eagles. It's not a league-wide epidemic that's that's hurting the game or anything like that. The Eagles have just found a, like you said, a perfect play for their combination of personnel. And it's going to be up to defensive coaches to figure out how to stop it. And frankly, I can't wait for the day that I think, was it UTEP or Tulane? that ran the fake version of it where their yes. quarterback fakes yes. into the line and then steps that. out. And, I love that. Yeah. I can't wait for them to run that. And they're yep. probably going to do it against the 49ers in week 13. So and, yeah, it was like, um, it, it, I think it was the Texans try to, uh, like a pot pass, uh, an, an mm-hmm. early version of RPO off the wildcat that same year and no one else did it. And I thought, Oh, that was such a missed opportunity. Yeah. But yes, I've seen the fake tush push pass and I loved it. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, you have, you have three options. Figure out how to do it, figure out how to stop it, or whine like a little baby, and we can see where everything is going. And by the way, <laughs> you should never use Major League Baseball as your administrative prototype for anything. That's a, no, that's a, that's a fair point. Uh, the, <laughs> but the other the other aspect of this that you brought up, and, and I think it's one of the most important parts of this, is the NFL saying, okay, they're evaluating injury data. <laughs> what? Since when? And, what what, and all of a sudden, so they've been, the Eagles have been doing this for a year and they have injury data saying that it's bad, but they have turf and grass injury yeah. data for years and they're, they don't have enough. It's silly. It's also dumb. Apparently they were too busy evaluating the injury data on this to evaluate the turf at Tottenham Hotspur stadium. <laughs> Hello. Apparently. Buffalo. Yeah. Brutal man. You want to talk about teams that have a legitimate complaint about something. Ask the bills. Yeah, man, that's the advantage of the Jags getting to stay there all week. Leave until Friday, I guess. Just I mean, what, tr- what are we doing? But if we're evaluating the injury data. You know what? This is John Mira or someone else. Just me, me, me. Sorry. so bad, so bad. I'm over right. it. Over it. <laughs> Let's Next. get to let you know. We're on fourth down. Let's see if we can line up and tush push our way across uh, to the end yeah. of this. Uh, <laughs> speaking Great of all pass. the bad, I so want to. Now I really I'm like somebody, please do this. Speaking of all those bad teams, what was your worst of the week for week five? Uh, Sean Payton losing the inaugural Nathaniel Hackett Bowl. Uh, Before Sunday's game between the Jets and the Broncos even got started, it was abundantly clear the Jets uh, wanted this one for offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. The former, of course, embattled Broncos head coach who caught some strays from current Broncos head coach Sean Payton back in July. Uh, as we all know in an interview with USAJ's Jarrett Bell. Hi, Jarrett. How, what's up? Uh, Jarrett's my guy. Uh, great, great writer for a very long time. Peyton said that Hackett's coaching job with the Broncos might have been the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL, among the worst coaching jobs. That's how bad it was. Peyton later apologized for the statement, and he's been forced to apologize ever since the tongue was set. And though neither Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson nor Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, that's enough Wilsons for now, performed well in this game per se, the Jets did just enough to pull out a 31-20 win. The Broncos offense, supposedly re-engineered by Peyton, looked horrible more often than not. Russell Wilson completed 20 of 31 passes for 196 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a pass rating of 103.7. But he also fumbled away any chance of winning near the end for all his bold talk before the season. Peyton got put in his place here. 
he and Wilson were, you know, scrapping on the sideline. You know, Peyton was apparently yelling at him after the fumble, and Wilson may or may not have been listening. So we're kind of back where we were with uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Hmm. Too bad. You just so, hate to see it. It's really tough. Yeah, we also, you hate to see it. I don't know if we, I, I can't remember if we did this or not, but shout out to Jarrett Bell for getting that quote. I know, right? That's just excellent journalism. Seriously. Yes. Like that, that's, that is so, so good. And getting a person to put their name on it and yep. not an unnamed source of that. Really, really good. Really, really good journalism from, from our well, guy. Well, uh, when we put up the Four Down Territory article, the link to the article will be in there on USA Today. And, um, but you could tell that Peyton was storing it up for a while. That year he was out, he was storing it up because he just kind of unloaded. But yes, many kudos to Jarrett Bell for for getting all that because, wow. That's one of those things where you're like, I can't wait to transcribe this. I've had a couple of those. Um, when Adrian Peterson in 2011 compared the NFL to modern-day slavery. That was you? That was me. Wow. Dang. Phone interview. And I'm like, and I said, I, I did something I never do. I, I gave him an out. I said, I want you to know that you're on the record. And yeah. I want you to know that you can take this back. And he said, I'm on the record. And then he said it louder. I'm like, okay, still have the tape. The double down. Dang. Yeah. That's, that's bananas, man. Good, so good journalism by you. I can't, I can't believe. Oh my God. <laughs> And this is back when there was a lot more email involvement. Uh, I think my email server crashed. <laughs> wow. Oh, Dang. So, uh, yeah. Kudos to Jared. When you, and then, that, you know, just a little side tangent for a sec. When you get those, mm -hmm. you almost don't know what to do with them. They're so big. It's like, oh, my God, this is really going to this is going to tip the whole discussion on its head for a couple of days. And uh, yeah, Jarrett, as a veteran, great journalist, knew what to do with it. Love that. Love that for him. Love that for, for USA Today. My worst of the week is the New England Patriots. And really, this is the worst of the last two weeks. Because what what's happened here? They've been outscored 72-3 to the last two weeks. They got shut out this week against the New Orleans Saints. They lost to the Saints 34 to nothing. Mm -hmm. That's they, progress because they lost by 35 the week before. They score, so they're getting better. Not scoring against the Saints is one thing. The Saints have a good defense, right? Yeah. Giving up 34? To New Orleans, not not a great look. Well, and twenty-seven because Mac Jones threw the pick six to Tyron Matthew. Uh, fair enough. Okay, twenty-seven. So give their defense a break there. Giving up twenty-seven <laughs> to this, not a great look. No, uh, they are they are right now, and you, you look at it, you know, media and fans and stuff in Boston, and there's finger pointing going on everywhere. It's not one thing. It's not oh their defense isn't good. It's not oh their offensive line isn't good, or their receivers, or their quarterback, or whatever you want to pick. Nothing's going right for them. They're as rudderless as any team in the NFL right now. And if Bill Belichick wasn't Bill Belichick or was 60% of, of the coach Bill Belichick has been over the last two and a half decades, then he would be right in the middle of the spotlight for the coaches to be gone mid-season. Honestly, he'd probably already be gone. I mean, and yeah. we, we've heard this stuff about Robert Kraft being impatient with it. And we all thought, this is Bill Belichick. You can't even... Mm -hmm. Now, I, I think that I think the bigger issue uh, for for me is not necessarily Bill Belichick as a as a scheme guy or whatever, because honestly, you look <coughs> at what they did against Philly and then you look at what they did against Miami scheme wise, they were pretty sound. And I thought those are pretty good coaching jobs. But when it's Bill Belichick, also the personnel guy, and then you look at their personnel and it's just not good. No, 
that's that's where I think the the problem really rises in New England. So yeah, wor- worst of the week slash last two weeks for me are, is the New England Patriots because in my in really my lifetime that I've watched and paid attention closely to the NFL because I was ten when they won their first Super Bowl with Tom Brady. I don't know the Patriots to be this bad. So this is this is new territory for, for me. And I'm 33 years old. Yeah. Well, you know, and he keeps playing with his food. The whole thing with Patricia and Judge running the mm-hmm. offense last year is like, eh. It's okay. bizarre. You know, it's like the, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, and this year with Bill O'Brien, it's like, okay, we're going to bring a guy back. We're not, and you're like, where are the new creative Shanahan McVay guys in yeah. running the offense? Why can't you? I don't know. It, yeah, I don't. It's, it's tough. I mean, he's a he's the greatest coach in the history of football. He's one of the two or three greatest coach in his coach in the history of sports. Mm-hmm. But everyone has their Van Halen three. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, tough tough times for for uh, Bill Belichick in in New England. But like you said, still uh, the greatest coach in in NFL history has a strong argument for that. So uh, this won't take away from that at all. Hey, Doug, this was terrific. Thanks so much for uh, for talking with me today. As usual, this is Four Down Territory. Check us out every single week. We're going to be doing this throughout the NFL season. We will see you guys next time. Thanks, everyone.